0: Well, hello everyone. I'm your host, Cindy Ketzel. Thanks for joining us for this episode of 9 to Thrive HR. In this podcast, we team up with experts to bring you the best in HR, talent management, and business strategy. Speaking of teaming up with experts, you know I always ask, we would love to hear from you. If you do have a suggestion for a topic or a recommendation for a guest, please send us an email at podcasts at hci.org. You all, I am so thrilled to have Jen Hope on with us today. And I'm sure we'll talk about that as we have our conversation. But Jen is an executive and leadership coach for Startup Leaders She has a background as vice president of marketing for multiple high-growth startup companies. She understands the complexity of startup leadership. She leverages data and evidence-based tools that accelerate growth and scale individual and collective leadership. A self-kindness, I love that term, a self-kindness and mental health advocate Jen is passionate about creating safe spaces for women and non-neurotypical leaders in startup and corporate leadership. Clients will tell you that Jen provides systems and habits that improve life and leadership. They love the sharp insights, structure, compassion, and accountability that come from Jen's coaching process. Jen's client list includes Tenable, Oracle, Altana AI, Tomboy X, DocuSign, Relayer, Blue Jacketeer, and Uplevel. And I love this. I love this. When she is not working, you can find her cooing her words, cooing over her dogs, which is kind of what I do too, so I get it, running the hills of the Pacific Northwest, And this is fantastic, Jen. I love that you do this, singing all of, oh my gosh, I even do it in the elevator, but singing all the songs that are playing overhead in the grocery store and CVS. Oh my gosh, I love it. I sometimes whistle to them because I may not know the words, but are you like full
1: fledged singing them while you're there? Oh, Cindy, like, have you seen this quote? Like the amount of space that is taken up in my brain but the lyrics to songs that existed <laughs> far exceeds the part of my brain that remembers why I went to the kitchen. Like that is my brain for Dad, real, oh, for real artists, song titles, you name it. That is what it is like on my hard drive. Yeah. Unfortunately, fortunately.
0: I am so envious of people that are able to do that. Like I know the tune, right? Like I'll hear it. I'm like, wait a minute, I know this. And then I start whistling and I'm always so impressed by people that like, just start belting it. I'm like, how do you remember all those words? So probably pretty similar. I love it. I'm envious. I'm envious of that. I love it. So. One of the things that really stood out to me, as you heard me say in her bio, self-kindness and mental health advocate, you know, we've been hearing so much around mental wellness, culture, mental health, you know, coming out of these last few years, I feel like this topic is just such a priority. And one of the things about Jen's profile, you all, was that she Really began to understand and work on tools and resources for leaders in how to build the ability to monitor emotional regulation. So, Jen, that's why I wanted to have you here today. I know you are worldly in a lot of topics, but really just to kind of zone in on the topic around emotional regulation and leadership development. So, if you can enlighten us a little bit what kind of led you down that path to see the connection between the two?
1: One of the interesting parts of working in the startup world, and this is true for tons of corporate environments as well that are high pressure and results oriented, emotions can run pretty high. (laughs) And so, my experience kind of starts in an environment where, you know, we were on short runways. You're trying to create something that doesn't exist, lots of building the plane, flying it at the same time. And I will say, like, I have seen an example of somebody, you know, pretty close to flipping a desk, right? You know, seen table pounding in debates and places where I think so many leaders can ride this line between grounded and disconnected from what's happening in their minds and their body and that disconnected state, right? This idea where we're over the line or we've flipped our lid into dysregulated and then we're making decisions and we're making leadership choices and we're trying to invest in relationships from a place that doesn't have two feet on the ground, right? Where we forget to take a breath and we forget how important our words are and the impact that we can have. So this idea of What are the things that we're doing as individuals? And, you know, obviously the folks who are listening to this podcast are so focused on the big system pieces, right, that we can do to focus on employee well-being. And the work that I do is really about how does an individual create that baseline to return to even inside of an organization where the metrics are revenue and, you know, cost per acquisition and churn rate, right? Like inside of us, what does it look like to have safety and empathy and compassion and get back to that baseline of being regulated, right? Yeah.
0: It's fascinating. The beginning of the year, very intentionally, We launched a podcast on burnout and I've talked about it a few times in even subsequent interviews that I've done and they kind of talked about with the Guild Collective and they had talked about the science behind burnout. And I don't have the exact words, but Jen, it's very much about what you're saying is what we can do you know, to return to that baseline. But I've always said, like in the heat of the moment, and I think you're talking about it when we're talking about almost seeing people turn over desks. And that's right? not funny. But I, yeah. I get that emotion. Like when you're saying it, I'm like, oh yeah, I yeah, I could I could get that. I could get that. But you know, I think about that and when we're at that level of multiple stressors, compounded by everything that's been going on around us. How do you get back to that baseline? And I think that's worth us talking about it over and over again. And I know you're going to share some great, you know, tools, tips, ideas, best practices for us as we go through. But in this podcast, you know, we're talking to HR leaders. We're talking to HR practitioners, right? We're at so many different levels. But at the other side of this, in a strategic business partner role for our HR folks, they are supporting our leaders, So we need to understand emotional regulation and we probably need to identify and coach and support and how can we help with the leaders that we're working with as well. So I guess, Jen, my question for you is, you know, as HR leaders, as HR practitioners, as we're also supporting our leaders What are your thoughts around cues or signs that we might recognize, whether in our leaders or even in ourselves, that might lead us to seeking out strategies to kind of get back that regulation, to come back from ground zero, I guess?
1: Yeah, it's such a great question. And I think about the folks that I've talked to kind of over the last number of years, and we hear a lot about that common like fight, flight, freeze, you know, as our kind of baseline of what we expect to happen in those situations where we hit, you know, a wall or a stressor or, you know, a high stress moment. And I hear sometimes more frequently of like collapse as an outcome or kind of experience at this moment where folks are saying, I'm so stressed, I'm numb. (laughs) I'm so stressed, I've checked out or I can't feel anything at all right? I know so much is happening, but I almost don't know where to start. Like it's frozen, but it's almost beyond frozen where the new things happen and it kind of piles on. And this is, I mean, obviously this is a concerning moment, right? That's a concerning moment where folks are landing in that place where they're saying, I'm so stressed that I almost feel checked out of like my head, my body, what's happening around me. Right. And I'm just going through the motions. That is the cue that really, A, makes my heart hurt for folks. And I can see again and again, right, that we can recognize in ourselves and the folks around us that we've kind of hit this max, this wall.
0: I mean, you are talking and my mouth is gaping open because I believe, now have myself coming from a community mental health background, so I've got some of this language, right? And I'm not diagnosing myself in this respect, but- And this is just me and life stressors. And I love my job, but it's a lot of creative, public, right? You might feel a little bit like you're always, you're on, you know, you're talking to people. And I just said to somebody the other day, I almost feel disassociated. I think you used a word in a conversation earlier. I'm not coming from my most grounded self. Like I'm almost an autopilot and I know I'm not alone and I know a lot of other people are going through that, but that's exactly when you're talking about like, oh my gosh, I just said that to somebody, I feel like I'm disconnected from things. So what do we do? Like, what are the steps or tools or strategies? I know you have an opportunity and I know it's really a passion of yours to work with people and coach them in these areas. What are your thoughts? What's useful? What's applicable for us as we're trying to move
1: through to that regulation? Any thoughts around that? I read Brene Brown books. I've also read books by, you know, Kristen Neff. She's like one of my favorite authors. And sometimes I read those books and like literally like want to throw them across the room because the things that they're saying are so simple. And if we've not seen it modeled, we have no idea what that really looks like in practice, right? I grew up in a family where, you know, hard work, independence, not necessarily like the highest EQ, right? We weren't necessarily focused on that kind of depth, right? You know, as a Midwest family, we're pretty tough, you know? And so for me, I had never seen what a true struggle met with self-compassion looked like, right? Where we are in pain, we are in difficulty and meeting ourselves in that moment with, oh, wow, this moment is hard. And that's this thing that, unfortunately, I think is so simple and skipped as a step in this process where we hold for a beat and take a breath and say, yeah, this is hard. It feels hard because it is hard. <laughs> and like throw your arm around the shoulder, right? Like your best friend would and say like, I got you, <laughs> We're going to get through this, right? And this is challenging at that moment. I think we're tempted to find a solution. It's fine. You're fine. You know, almost invalidate for ourselves that experience. And so that starting point of this is why when you brought up self-kindness advocate, like this is that moment that it's so simplified it sounds so silly. It's not something that very many of us were taught. I think, from what I see and in my own experience, it's not something we're necessarily taught as hey, if we're in struggle, let's start with a little bit of kindness.
0: When I read that, I was like, wow, we don't do that. We don't show ourselves kindness. We don't say, this is hard. This is a hard moment. I need to take a beat. I think, to your point, I grew up Midwest too. And I don't know that it's just our region, but you keep going, you keep working harder. Do you see people practicing that? Like, obviously that's something that's core to you and important to you. You know, do people start to practice that and do
1: they start to see changes? Absolutely. You know, folks land in coaching for lots of different reasons. And one of them is to self-reflect, right? It's a space, it's a place to self-reflect and to do so with a lens that we hope is generous, right? You know, the default setting for most of the folks I run into out in the world is some inner conflict, right? Some inner criticism. And so if we can start with, hey, this feels hard because it is hard, we're creating a tiny bit of ease in that process, right? A just slightly more gentle approach to ourselves. And what that does is it allows us to say, there's a framework that comes from the, like the world of dialectical behavioral therapy, which I'm guessing with your background, you know, some about this, right. Is like, we are doing our very best and we can do better. Right. And that like waking up every morning and starting with like, Hey, I'm doing my best today. And yes, I can need to do better is the starting point that I hope people can arrive to self-reflection with, because then we can layer on, right. It's the version of, I'm going to go ahead and look internally and do so like not with a hammer to beat myself down, but some generous hands to lift myself up.
0: Yeah. And I ponder this and I think about myself feeling on verge of burnout. And I decided to take myself to go see my best two girlfriends and spent the weekend laughing, right? Just laughing, 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 which I also think is probably an informal, right? Like I'm sure there's a science to it. But one of my girlfriends said to me, Cindy, she said, I've been learning to tell myself, everything's going to work out. It's going to be okay. This is just a blip. So, almost similar to your idea, right? That we are kind to ourselves. You know, you mentioned we wake up and we say, with DBT, we wake up, we are doing our very best and we can do better. That mantra, right? Whatever that is to find a positive place and space to move toward, even when you're not feeling your best.
1: Absolutely to your point earlier about like, what is grounded, right? What does it look like when we are grounded and confident versus what does it look like when we're moving from a place of complying or controlling or protecting like these ways that when we're under stress, we start to do kind of like short-term solutions, right? And even looking at that and saying like, Hey, you know, that's a skill, that's a gift, right? If I'm trying to comply with this person in front of me or do pleasing behaviors, wow, isn't that relational? as a skill, right? It's a way of kind of reflecting on our own behavior. If I'm someone who's got, you know, my foot on the gas pedal with drive and ambition, right? Again, like we're moving toward that direction of achieving, right? Oh, I'm so focused on achievement. And again, like these are gifts and it's that flipping of the script, right? The flipping of the script on even the ways that we could sometimes be getting in our own way, it has a gift in it and there's a strength in it. It's just overdone. And that's what I hope folks see. So yeah, we're going to go in and we're going to use tools. We're going to do you know, the things that we know that work, right? A little bit of mindfulness, prioritizing movements, prioritizing our well-being, creating boundaries with work, taking time away, right? Having a big picture vision, all those things that give us meaning that give us you know the physical movement through stress to give us more capacity and then layer on top of it a mindset that says like i am innately good <laughs> to sit alongside of it as we go and collect some data about ourselves our data about our impact the data about the way folks feel when they interact with us as leaders ways that we feel about ourselves and our future and we can do all that and bring it alongside with somebody who's really kind. And hopefully, you know, that's my dream world where, you know, our own growth and taking the time to reflect on ourselves and look at some of this comes with, a, you know, some deep care because <laughs> uh, we all need it. Right. And I think that's what really changes things for folks. I hope, right. That they have someone who cares about them too, mainly themselves that's saying you're a priority and, you know, they get to go from there and grow from there.
0: So, I think to your point, you know, and just kind of going over some of those things as professional humans, right? We have learned through our professional growth, whether that's through formal training, whether that's through coaching, whether that's just the social dynamic that we are living in our environment, whatever it is about mindfulness and seeing that big picture and finding that space to move towards it and hoping that others around us are kind, right. And caring and supportive. And I think that kind of brings me to this next question, which is, do you get any feedback in the circles that you're in about that support in organizations? Because I think one of the things that I am leery of is that when folks are finding their way to the path of burnout or just having a hard time regulating, we don't talk about it because there's such a stigma around many groups and talking about (laughs) being burned out or being done. You're over it. What do you hear? I mean, you're probably a little bit closer to it than I am, but what do you hear? What comes back to you in terms of how does that organization support or are we even talking about it there?
1: I don't think we are. And this is something that again, is at the core. It's why mental health advocate is in the bio that I send, because I do want to be talking about it. Right. And I don't know, I'm going to take the algorithm of LinkedIn and say, you know, maybe for you, maybe for Ben, maybe you're seeing more than I am. But if LinkedIn is the place that we're having professional conversation, I'd say there's 1% of folks, maybe, Every once a week, maybe I see a post about mental health, maybe a couple times a week, a post about mental health. And again, I hope that isn't an accurate representation of what we're talking about in the work environment, but say it were, it's not a fleshed out conversation (laughs) in any way, right? And I think even when you do see folks talking about it, the feedback that they get is mixed at best, if not shaming, if not, you know, less than supportive, which is sad. Because it is not an individual, right? It is so common in our personal circles. you know, hopefully that is shifting as well, but maybe not, right? And for many folks, what we're going through, that internal life experience of aloneness, do we take it to work, and are we in a position where we're saying, like I am going to create some boundaries for myself to do? the care that I need. And I'm not talking about taking a bubble bath, Cindy, right? Like I'm talking about like seeing a therapist, going to a doctor regularly. I'm talking about like medication management or sabbatical, right? Like, so I'm not in the hospital. I'm talking about like job number one, (laughs) live your life, keep going for the next six months and have a long life because I'm you know, not living with extreme stress in my body, right? Like that kind of self-care. And this would be an ideal world for me too, where the posts that I see about mental health are not necessarily the buttoned up version that comes out like, hey, this happened previously, right? Like, oh, I got to burnout. I landed in the hospital and now everything's changed. Like, whoa, wait, 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 wait. How's that the talk track, right? Like, how did we get to that being the only story of recovery or turnaround. How can we get to this was really uncomfortable (laughs) and it was before I hit some extreme moment that I decided to make a change?
0: Well, and I know you kind of tease about, I'm not just talking about taking a bubble bath self-care, but I will say, Jen, I'm glad you brought that up because as adults, as professionals, as people, when we started at the top of the hour, you were talking about our roles can be stressful, right? You had mentioned working, you know, in startups, you're trying to get to a thing, right? You're achieving goals and organizations We're working towards that ROI. We're working towards that bottom line. So those things like, quote unquote, that bubble bath, it is creating those boundaries before, like your point is, it's not just the story of burnout, right? It's what got us there, what led us there and what was missing, right? So how we didn't put ourselves or self-kindness as a priority perhaps leads us to, like you said, that ultimate burnout. So I know we said it kind of kiddingly, but right, we have to have boundaries and prioritization so that we don't reach and it's okay if you do reach that burnout phase, but so that we can monitor before we get there. Is that a fair statement?
1: For sure. Yeah. And one of the ways that, you know, I see folks kind of hit a wall and say, Hey, you know what? Something has to change. And I'm not exactly sure what that is, but something has to change. And it often starts from this place of like, these things are out of control. And I am not in control of my schedule. I'm not in control of my day to day. I'm not in control of my health or my well being. And not in a like, oh, there's something wrong with me. So this happened. It's I've overcommitted in one area or many areas, or I've just kind of been heads down and just trying to get through it. And I'd now like to poke my head back up and say, hmm where can I make some change to find some additional resources, right? Where do I find the bandwidth to keep going? And where do I find the behaviors that would really start to fill me up and get some attention on this leaky bucket that is my energy, that is my attention, that is even just my well-being, right? And a leaky bucket, I mean, we're not going to thrive, right? We're not going to be at our peak if that's what we're working from. So I think part of what we're talking about is carving out like if a bubble bath is your jam, oh my gosh, please do that, right? Particularly if that's what fills the holes in the bucket, right? Like what do we pour in, right? Do we pour in movement? Do we pour in sunshine? Do we pour in time away? Do we pour in time with family? Do we pour in humor and podcasts? Or maybe it's just freaking silence, right? Like stare at a wall, as my favorite therapist says, like stare at a wall and be bored, like sweet. But whatever that is, like, you know, there is a point where like, Hey, we got to get some control of our future and our current back. So we don't end up there to your point. Like, and if we do, we do, that happens. We can turn around.
0: That's right. And you've given us some tips as you've gone through today you know, giving ourselves that giant hug, just so much going on around us to remind us to put self-care or self-kindness as that priority. And you're reminding us of that. And we need to do that because you're right. We might reach that burnout phase and then we come back from it.
1: Yeah. I think The other thing that I think about too, is you're talking earlier about how active we are or how full our lives are. And there's something about this too, where like busy is the measure of success. And I've seen this again and again and again with folks where this becomes, you know, our baseline (laughs) to be so full. And even with all of these things that we're talking about as opportunities to make things better, it can feel like additional homework. Right. And so what I want to say is like these are teeny tiny ways and shifts in thinking and shifts in small ways. So we don't get folks kind of back against the wall like it's too much homework to try and make small shifts right now to take care of myself, right? And if I'm talking about it in a way that seems sometimes too tender for folks, like, oh gosh, this is like, you know, tell me how to be uber successful. This doesn't sound like the way, right? And so for like high achievers, and I'm raising my own hand on the high achiever doer path, right? This can feel like a little smushy or whatever intangible. It's intended that way. It's intended to be these small ways that don't shut us down further, but allow us to take a few teeny steps in the direction that kind of vote for who we want to be in the life that we want versus shut us down.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm sitting here and as you're talking, I'm also self-reflecting Because, you know, you're really speaking to me, honestly, like I am like, wow, I am really hard on myself. And, you know, we talked about this when we launched our burnout topic at the beginning of the year. I'm hard on myself. You know, I think a lot of us are. Again, I don't think I speak for just myself, as you said, overachiever, raising your hands. But I do appreciate that you've shared just a couple of tips of things that are easy to do. And I don't do those things. So I'm going to do those things. There's so much going on around us. And how do we protect ourselves? And people depend on us too, right? People are depending on us. We are leaders. We work with other leaders. We coach. We teach, right? We're doing all of those things. And you all, we have to take care of ourselves in order to be that person for other people.
1: For sure. I would add too, there's often one spot one thing that if we do in the morning, like for ourselves, you know, that can be that waterfall effect, where if we do one thing, it overflows into other parts of our lives, right? Like something as small as like, make your bed, drink a glass of water in the morning. I mean, we're really talking about like 30 seconds, right? But this is like that vote. It's tangible, right? It's that small thing. So, you know, as you're thinking about, hey, like, if this is my position and I am at that tough spot of like this is feeling more and more difficult every day, okay. What are small things, right? And they're going to add up, right? And they can overflow into one another. And the small one is the best place to start, right? Like, let's do that. Yeah,
0: and just doing it, even if you're making a face while you're doing, just do yes. it. Do it. Just oh, do it. Just
1: yes, do it. Just do it. Just do it. Resist oh me. God. Do it. I do. Please. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: That's right. Well, hey, we have to wrap up here. But first of all, I knew that we would have a great conversation, but I've just really enjoyed learning from your experience. And, you know, Jen is a subject matter expert in self-kindness. This was a great conversation to just give our listeners a good reminder to. So thank you so much for spending some time with us today.
1: Thank you. It was such an honor. It was so great to speak with you.
0: Yeah, it was great to have you.
1: All right, you all.
0: A, find your thing. Find your thing either in the morning, noon, or before you go to bed. What's that thing that we can start doing? Just one little act that could then eventually waterfall into the being of our day, right? So think about that, you all. I want to throw that out there before I close. But just a couple of other things, Nine to Thrive listeners. Uh, send us an email, as I mentioned at the beginning of our podcast. If you do have any suggestions for topics, we'd love to hear from you. Also, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please give us a rating. Your rating helps other professionals and talent minded people discover our program. For Nine to Thrive HR and all of us here at HCI, we appreciate
1: you for tuning in. Make it the best day, everyone. Take care.